Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Risk! Hello, kids. This is Risk. The show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday, we release these special episodes that we're calling Classic Risk Singles. Each of these episodes features just one story from our earlier years. If you're new to Risk, you should know that the podcast can be very uncensored. This week, a story by me Now, I first shared this one on the podcast in September of 2011, and at that time, it was something very new for me. I was telling a radio-style story. That is one of our stories that is told directly into the mic rather than in front of a live audience for the very first time. And I was sharing about events that had happened just three days prior to when I was recording. Now, the last sentence in this story is about changing perceptions, and that line is especially poignant to me today, because I listened to this story eight years later, and (laughs) there are some sentences in this story that make me cringe. I think, oh my God, no, I would not word that that way nowadays. And then there are other places in this story where I think, No, Kevin, you drew the wrong conclusion about what was even happening in that situation. I'm just at such a different place in my life now that I see some of the events described in this story differently when I listen back to it. At the time, I was 41. I had just gotten divorced. I was just starting to date again after nine years of no dating. 
And now I realize I was naive. But I was being as honest and transparent as I could be at that time. And so, without further ado, let's go back to 2011 with me telling a story we call Kevin Goes to P-Town. I am what people would normally call a swinger. We don't call it that in the gay community, but that's basically the gist. The gist is that I highly value a variety, variety of partners. And I know that people get antsy or iffy to hear that about me. Well, it's just threatening to the way that we're taught that we should look at this thing, sex, how it should be handled. I had a nine-year marriage, and it was an open relationship. It was a, a deal where we could have sex, just sex, not dating, not romance, outside of the marriage. It really felt like the natural fit for me. It actually seems really forced to me that a loving romance, a loving relationship between two people w would necessitate sexual exclusivity, that, that, that being exclusive to one person sexually would be a pillar. You know, like, uh, people seem to think that that is the most important thing about a monogamous rela relationship, and that kind of just doesn't add up for me because uh, I never experienced uh, like the sex that I had outside of my marriage was just that it was purely physical fun and adventuring it was it, it, it never got uh, very emotional I find it fairly easy I think to maintain those lines uh until this past weekend, I guess. This past weekend, I was in Provincetown, Provincetown, Massachusetts, which is, um, if you don't know, it's, it's statistically known as the gayest town in the United States. The census shows it to be true, and it is very, very gay. I was there to do a gay show called Closet Cases, where people tell stories about their coming out experiences, and uh, it was just a wonder. I met so many wonderful like the nicest comedians. <laughs> and uh, I was having a great time. But I expected coming to Provincetown for a weekend that, you know, there was, I was going to get some, well, I hate that phrase. I, I, I expected that I was going to have some fun encounters with young men on the premises. And it occurred to me that it would be just a little bit easier than when I've gone to places like this in the past because I would have a new piece of technology to help me out with my landing. 
in those encounters, and that is Grinder. Grinder, if you don't know it, is a GPS system that you put on your iPhone that can identify for you any other gay men nearby who also have Grinder on their phones, and you can be alerted, hey, this guy's nearby, here's his picture, and you can immediately start texting one another and send each other more pictures, and it's basically a big old device for meeting up, hooking up. It's so much easier to introduce yourself to someone via your telephone than it is face-to-face. I am, have always been terrified about walking up to people in bars and saying hello. I say hello to people constantly on Grindr. And because there's so many, I mean, there's millions of, of guys on this device, because there's so many, it's, it's really neither here nor there whether they reply. Now, obviously, there is a downside to that. I don't know. It just people seem begin to seem a little bit more like numbers when you've got so many of them at your beck and call on a little device. Anyway, Friday night when I arrive, I do a delightful performance of closet cases and, you know, figure I'll, I'll start the real playing around the next night. The next day is Saturday and I wake up and I check my grinder but the person who shows up in the window first is this gorgeous Asian guy. I mean, out of my league gorgeous, model gorgeous, um, the type of guy who I figure I'll say hi to just, just, I don't know, because maybe he'll know someone. <laughs> that I can uh, get together with. Because beauties, I, I have a problem with. Like, real beauties. They have a different status in our society. They can get away with treating you the way another person wouldn't. So, I avoid beauties. I don't want to get too caught up in them. But here's one on my grinder, popping up first thing in the morning. And you know what? His smile is so <laughs> bright and vivid that I, 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 I say hi. And to my surprise, immediately I get back, hi, with an exclamation point. And at the top of his grinder page is the word Brian with an exclamation point. This person exudes happiness. I say, well, I, I'm in Provincetown. I assume you are too. And he says, no, I'm on the ferry. I'm headed there right now. But we both like chat away and, and agree that, you know, I've got a show tonight. He's got to get settled with his friends. So maybe it'd be fun if we hooked up later tonight uh, at some bar, wherever everyone might be hanging out. Great. I end the conversation, and I assume that that's probably not going to happen because this guy's model gorgeous, and, you know, surely <laughs> he'll meet several other people within the course of the next 10 minutes on this app. That night, 
Just after I get off stage, I feel a little buzz in my pocket. It's my phone. I check it, and it's Brian again. And he's letting me know, hey, around 11, 11.30, we're going to be at the A house. So I head over to A house. And what I'm kind of expecting is that we'll say hello, and it'll be kind of awkward, and then... The hopes are that he'll have friends and friends who have friends and, you know, I'll be able to settle in with someone a little bit more, um, well, just not as good looking. So I go into a house and it's this blaring, piercing music. I I think, yeah, oh, no, 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 I can't do this. This isn't even going to work out with this guy. I should go. But as I'm going, I see, oh, there's another part to this place that's just a regular dive bar. But I go in there and no one seems to be in there. Basically, I end up just traipsing from room to room, from what appears to be establishment to establishment. Finally, I decide, you know what, I'll I'll just text him. Maybe he's still got his grinder on. So I say, hey, Brian, I'm kind of lost. I'm thinking of just leaving. He's like, we're outside. So I ask someone and they say, oh, yeah, there's an outside patio area. And I go out there and there he is. Broad shoulders, not an ounce of body fat, beautiful biceps, this cute boyishly short cut hair. But what was so striking, what really floored me from like the first second I laid eyes on him was that he was just beside himself having fun. He and his friend Marky were calling each other names, made up funny names. Like one would say, no, girl, your name is I Wanna. I Wanna Butt to Kiss. And she'd be like, no, 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 girl. Your your name is Anita, uh, uh, Anita Maxipad. And it wasn't that the names were funny. What was so funny was how Brian and Marky They were like a couple of kids. Slap, happy, giddy, fun. Like I've never had before I felt comfortable walking up. And I said, hey, I take it you're Brian. He was like, you're Kevin? Hey, 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 wait a minute. No, no, I'm not Brian. My name's Anita. Anita Maxipat. Hey, whoa, 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 girl. Let me introduce you to my friend. This is Iwana. Iwana butt to kiss. I tried my hand at one of these. I said, well, my name is Delishe. Delishe Nuss. <laughs> to which Brian replied, seriously? He was always saying, seriously? And really? So we kept joking around. And what was so intoxicating to me was everything seemed like a discovery. He was getting such a kick out of just being in this totally gay place, free to be ridiculous. And every time he seemed to be getting serious for an extended stretch of time, he'd say something that would make me say, wait a minute, no, you're joking. He said he was 31, that he was from, well, his, his ancestry was Vietnamese, but he was raised out west and now he lived in Philly. But while most beautiful guys would have, you know, been ignoring me by this point in the night, 
Brian was getting a kick out of joking with me. And when I start to feel really affectionate toward a guy, I just have this, like, I don't know, uncontrollable tendency to touch him, touch him by the arm, or, you know, pat him on the back, just just making this connection, this physical connection. And he kept calling me out. He kept joking with me about the fact that I was touching him. He'd be like, girl, you're molesting me. And I'd be like, well, <laughs> you like it. And he'd say, seriously? And I could see <laughs> through his smile that, indeed, of course, he did. That's when Marky started saying, girl, you got to go home with him. His friend, his friend was encouraging him to come home with me. Marky's telling Brian, kiss him. Come on, just kiss him. Come on, just kiss him. And finally, we do start kissing and... All right, it begins to show down below for me that this is working out. And Brian takes his hand and he feels down there to see what's happening. And I begin to do my usual excuse that I'm a grower, not a shower, but it's kind of pointless because I'm very much growing now. And he he's very happy. He's like, oh, shit. And... <laughs> Marky sees this and says, Okay, case closed. Marky ushers us off, and I walk off to back to my hotel room with a gorgeous model-looking dude joking and laughing the whole way home. When we got back to my hotel room, he said, How old do you think I am? I said, Well, you said you were 31. He said, seriously? No, I'm 19. And now that we were in the bright light of the hotel room, that was beyond obvious. The thing is, I'm attracted to younger guys in general, but I have a terrible ability to tell how old someone is, especially Asian guys. The skin is so smooth that they can be 12 or 40. So when he told me 31, I'm the kind of gullible dupe. But well, I fell for it. I said, 19, great, I'm 41. He said, you're old enough to be my father. He liked to pretend he was gonna call it all off and then be like, I'm just kidding. But when I went to the bathroom to brush my teeth, I came back out, and he was standing there in his underwear. And I damn near had a heart attack. Just physical perfection. And normally, I'm not even that attracted if someone seems flawless. But this one was flawless and funny. So we tumble into bed, and the amazing thing was... Obviously, I loved his body, but he loved mine. And I am very out of shape. I am hairy. I'm a bit overweight. I'm not at all defined by gym work. I consider myself kind of a wreck physically right now. 
started calling me daddy. He made fun of me for having grandpa panties <laughs> because my underwear was not gay men's underwear. It was, you know, whatever, stuck Old Navy or whatever. But if I would take a break to get up and, you know, do something, he would say, no, 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 stand this way, stand this way, so he could keep gazing at me. He said, you giggle too much. Why are you, why are you always laughing? I said, because you're funny. At one point he said, why do you do everything I tell you to do? And I said, because you're a gorgeous 19-year-old, that's why. And his favorite sex act, if you could even call it that, was for me to simply lay my weight on top of him. <laughs> my big belly, he just wanted it on top of him. And he would say that. He would say, I just want to feel your weight on me. And he loved it. And there's something really affecting about someone loving something about you that you're so ashamed of. It's mind-boggling. And it's not something you can process in the moment, but it, it, it makes you feel high. It, it, it was the best hookup I have had in my life. And to what I was saying before about variety, variety of sexual partners, here's the reason that I love variety of partners so much. It never ceases to amaze me how different the chemistry is with some people. There's always someone who I think, wow, I've never tried that before, or holy shit, we have some sort of energy together that I've never had with anyone before. And that was definitely the case this night. This was pure fun, intimate, heavenly. And we woke up the next morning, and we did it all again. And Brian said, it's a shame you're leaving today, because we could be doing this again tonight. But I gave him a big, happy, sloppy kiss goodbye. And I was just satisfied. Out of all the sex I'd had, here was sex with a stranger that was also... Well, it also had, like, the joy that comes from sex with someone you actually love intimately. It had caught me totally by surprise, but I knew the parameters of it. I knew it was over. I knew we lived in different towns, and it was just a vacation thing, and so I felt closure. And as I was packing up my bags, I was just feeling really grateful to the universe about that, just, just kind of cherishing this little taste of bliss that I had been given before I would be leaving Provincetown. And I'm walking out the door with my bags, and the cleaning lady asks if she can come in to clean, and I say, oh, sure, yeah, yeah, I'm leaving. And she says, oh, well, I've got you in here for another night on my sheet. 
I go to the guy at the front desk, and sure enough, I had forgotten that I had an extra night in this room. That closet cases, the show I had been in, was kind of treating me. They gave me a, a, such a good discount that I, I, I remembered way back when I'd given myself an extra night to play around. Well, that changed everything. Grinder, I texted Brian. I said, hey, you're not going to believe it. It turns out I, I am here tonight. I'm here. I have the room. And he said, oh, all right. Well, we'll see you later tonight. How about at the tea, at the afternoon tea? There's a dance that every, you know, afternoon at four they have on Provincetown where, yeah, everyone goes. And so I said, great. And I got stoned, and I walked around Province down the rest of the afternoon, just kind of <laughs> walking on air, just kind of remembering all the little funny things he'd said and the amazing moments of, of the sex itself. But when I get excited, I hate waiting. I hate having to find something to do to pass the time before doing the thing that you're so looking forward to doing. That's why I like sex parties, because I know exactly when the sex is going to happen, when I arrive. I wanted to text and make sure that we were there at the same time. I did that, and I arrived, and I noticed that Brian was already there. But as I was walking up, I noticed there was a different energy than the night before. I could see in his eyes and his, I don't know, way of holding himself that he was, you know, tired, hungover. It was the afternoon and, you know, the real second wind catching was long in the future, you know, <laughs> later that night. I gave him a poke and started joking around about, you know, I want a butt to kiss... Anita maxi pad, and he was joking around with me a little bit too. Then his friend Marky kind of took him by the shoulder and said to me, We have to have a little meeting without you, and walked off with him. Marky had been my <laughs> ideal wingman the night before, but now he seemed quite cold to me. A very seventh grade kind of moment. They walked off, and um, for the next ten minutes or so, I uh, socialized with some other people. I ran into some friends that I know from other places, one of whom is a guy that I have long been sweet on, and we actually did a little kissing uh, because his friends were encouraging us to kiss. It was a weird replay of the night before, but my mind was really on Brian. And so I uh, stepped away from that and made my way back to Brian and Marky. And uh, when I got up to him, I said, um, well, how'd the meeting go? And he said, why don't you walk around? Just do some more walking around and meet some other people. 
And then he turned his back on me. I stood there. I remember I laughed nervously because, it, you know, it seemed like maybe another one of his jokes. Or I, I mean, I just didn't know how to react, so I laughed. I, I, I do that. I didn't want to look like I had just been so clearly rebuffed to everyone around me, so I kind of just stood there for a minute with him having his back to me and me not having anyone around to talk to, and I uh, moseyed away. And I, I felt in my head, I felt myself saying, out, get out, get out, get out of this tea, get out of here. You've got to go walking, you've got to have some Kevin time, you've got to get away from people. So I made my way directly out of the tea and um, went outside to, to go walk around Provincetown again. This time I thought I should put something happy on the iPod. So I put on um, the Scissor Sisters and I just put it on repeat and played it over and over and over again for about an hour while I walked around just stung. did begin working on it like like had I been had I seemed too eager um had I said something the night before that he had reported back to his friends and they thought ooh that's really weird you know we didn't know he was 41 or 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 maybe I mean maybe Marky just just wanted to tell him hey 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 you're young you're young have some variety this weekend don't don't make it all about one dude i mean that's getting too serious i don't know when there was the the possibility of it being another night there was the possibility of going further and i guess in the possibility of things going further it was a real, who knows? Who knows what might happen? If we get to know each other even better tonight, maybe we're solidifying something with a future. I don't know. I hadn't thought these things through. All I knew was that I came to Provincetown to have my usual purely physical fun, and I had fallen for someone overnight and the next day he had treated me more cruelly than I think I can remember anyone ever treating me before I started kicking myself saying Kevin, Kevin, Kevin it was too good, it was too good to be true last night, you shouldn't have stayed you should have left you know, you haven't experienced that good you think you're going to be able to repeat it the next night, it's just ridiculous it's just it's just, it can't it just can't be so good deep, deep, deep down in my belly like down around below even the belly button, deep in there. 
there was just this this little like crying sensation like there was this weeping happening inside of me like this very very old old deeply buried wound I think that one of the reasons that I'm so attracted to younger guys is that um, I knew I was gay when I was just a toddler you know I grew up being so terrified about who I was that my heart goes out to younger guys who are just coming out. I want to take care of them. I want to shoulder them. You know, I want to be a friendly mentor figure, kind of um, easing their way in. To feel like maybe I was beginning that process with someone and then to have that someone react to me like I was, like I was suddenly loathsome. He had said, basically, get away from me. Now I felt like that terrified little child again. And I felt like such a fool. I'm 41 years old. Don't I know by now that a kid that age is just naturally going to be like playing with dynamite? You know, they're iffy. They're, they're testing things out. They don't know what they're doing. They don't have the karmic experience of being hurt and hurting other people. You know, it's like a boxer just starting out doesn't know how hard he can punch or, or how, how much to protect himself. And so... After another hour or so of walking around Provincetown, I decided to go see that evening's performance of Closet Cases that I was not in and see some new comics do their work. And again, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. But afterwards, I noticed that there had been no messages from him on Grinder. No, oh, hey, um sorry about that or or what are you up to now or anything like that so um so i wrote to him just one sentence you were mean to me i let it sit there for you know hours it, it just sat there and I, I made other plans for the evening but um late at night maybe two or three in the morning i decided to block him on Grinder to um, cut us off from each other completely. I don't know. Uh, you know, at this point, at this point, I wanted some sympathy. I'll admit it. You know, I was letting him know you hurt me and, and blocking someone on Grinder or anything like that is, is a further way of saying, damn you, you know. But I regretted it within about a half hour. Because I had no idea what his last name was or anything. I had no idea how... To, I didn't have his phone number. I had no idea how to get in touch with him, except through Grinder. And I'd blocked him. I have spent every day since <laughs> um, just hurting. I, well, I feel like an idiot. And I admit... 
I would... <laughs> I would love to hear from him again. can come up with labels like I am an exclusively monogamous person I I am looking for a husband for forever or I am an open relationship kind of guy I don't get too emotionally involved with blah 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 but you know you can you can make all sorts of decisions but um, our, our actual humanity is so much messier than any labels or, or boundaries we try to put on it on things. I mean, my big thing is honesty. My big thing is being on the level, letting people know where I stand. And, you know, the, my, my job is all about letting, letting it all out there, being an open book. But put in a position like this, things will happen to me that surprised me where I find, oh, I was maybe kind of lying when I thought I was telling the truth. If I had seen him again that night, I mean, if we had gotten together again that night, <laughs> I might have told that motherfucker, I'll go completely exclusive and monogamous for you for the rest of my life. <laughs> And uh, that's one of the reasons that we confuse each other so much, because the truth changes. The truth changes. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com.